Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust um, consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Indeed, the body does not consist of one, mon- one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I hope you enjoyed an extra hour of sleep last night. Someone was telling me just after the last service that I couldn't figure she couldn't figure out how to change her watch. I said, "Well, wait six months and you'll be good." <laughs> last Sunday, I took my first vacation day since starting here at Ebenezer at the end of June. It's a good thing to take a day off once in a while. And I'm grateful to Pastor Jeff and Pastor Monica for leading worship and for preaching. But I actually missed being here. It feels like home already. And so when I got home on Sunday night, I watched our service online. And I am so grateful that we're able to do that from wherever we are to worship at any time from anywhere. So I want to take a moment today to thank all of those persons who make those online services possible. Our incredible tech guru, James Mills, and thank you. And to all of our camera persons and the people who run sound and video and the production team that's back there in that room that you never see, uh, thank you to each one of them for all that they do. And here's a shameless plug. If you'd like to be part of that team, I know James is looking to grow that team. So if you're willing, James can teach anybody anything. Uh, So just let them know at the connections desk if you're interested or send us an email, give us a call. We'd love to add you to our AV and online team anytime what did I do last Sunday my husband and I decided it was a beautiful day so we wanted to go to the mountains and see the leaves this time of year and go hiking so we went to Harper's Ferry in West Virginia and did the Maryland Heights and Old Stone Fort loop that goes up there along the mountain ridge line. It's about a seven-mile hike, and it goes up an elevation about 1,500 feet. 
and there's one particular stretch of that hike where it seems like it goes just straight right up the mountain. And about halfway up that steep incline, there is a trailside plaque. And that plaque says that President Abraham Lincoln had walked up and hiked that same part and stopped when he got right there halfway up that steep incline and decided he had done enough and it was time to go back home. <laughs> My husband and I thought it was neat that we were walking in the same place that President Lincoln had. But we decided we would go the full journey. Although I tell you, with the incline, there were times when I thought President Lincoln had the right idea and turning around and going back home. Why did we stick with the journey? Someone had told us that if you can get to the top of that ridge line, the view of the mountains where those two rivers, too, come together, the Potomac and the Shenandoah, is absolutely breathtaking. And boy, were they right. You can worship God up there. It was gorgeous. We were so thankful we'd made that commitment commitments to full journeys like that in our lives are worth it. They're worth every step, and they often do stretch us beyond ourselves for purposes larger than ourselves. So my husband and I ended up grateful that we hung in there for the full journey. We're in a commitment series now called Commitments That Will Change Your Life. In what way are we being invited in our faith to make commitments to God through Jesus Christ and how we worship, how we pray, how we're part of Bible study in small groups, what we do in missions, and how we give of our time and our talents and more? How is God growing us through what we give to God and to others? Would you pray with me? Holy, holy God, thank you that we can worship you on a mountaintop. Thank you that we can worship you where rivers come together in beautiful ways. Thank you that we can worship you from anywhere at any time, maybe online today, at home, on vacation, and here gathered side by side in this sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, for the gift that it is to be able to worship you freely. We love you, and we seek to grow in our commitment to you and grow in our faith and discipleship. So we lift to you once more and again our lives and our hearts and who we are. And Lord, this day, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable and pleasing. In your sight, O Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer, and our Refuge, and our Savior, and our Shepherd. And all God's people said, Amen. Our bodies, our human bodies, are made up of over 200 bones, over 75 organs, some 100,000 miles of blood vessels, 600 muscles, billions of nerves, and about 8 pounds of skin, give or take. And when we walk, when we sing, when we play the drums, when we hike at Harper's Ferry, it takes every part and piece of our bodies to help make that happen. Every part is engaged to help our bodies do what we need to do. 
The Apostle Paul, in writing his first letter to the church at Corinth, the section that Debbie read for us today, Paul chooses the image of a body, a human body, as a way to describe the church. He says that we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are those 200 and some bones and 600 muscles and organs all working together as one, meant to live out the mission of Jesus Christ. The church at Corinth was having problems doing that. There were arguments. There were factions. They were not working together. There were conflicts. Their divisiveness was hindering their mission. Paul, therefore, gives them this image of oneness, of one body with different parts and pieces moving and functioning together side by side as a way to help correct what was happening in their faith community. This image of the body was meant to call them to that one spirit, one baptism, one united mission in what they are called to do and embody as the church. The human body is an interesting choice for a metaphor. What Debbie read for us today was an excerpt of Paul's longer description in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul describes it more fully in that whole chapter, and I hope you can take time later today to read it. Paul's pretty wordy, but it's a good description. What do we learn from thinking of the church as a body, Ebenezer Church, as a human body, whether we're online or off-site or on-site, one church united? Think about all that's involved when we're playing a guitar or playing a drum, or cooking supper, jumping a rope, hiking up a mountain. Paul says that every part, every person, every gift is indispensable in what we do together, and that we need all the other parts functioning in their unique ways in order to be a whole, working together like an engine, like the ingredients in a recipe. What we see in the design of the church as a body is that we are intentionally different and diverse. We're not all kidneys. We're not all kneecaps or thumbs, but designed with a variety of gifts for differentiation of function. An eye does not do what an ear does. A kidney does not do what a pinky does. Diversity is therefore a sacred necessity in the body of Christ to carry out the mission and work of Jesus. Notice, too, this metaphor of the church is not a hierarchical design. Paul intentionally writes that no part is meant to be higher or lower than another. He lifts up those of low self-esteem and cautions those who have a little too much self-esteem. The roles in the body are differentiated by function, not rank. The design of Christ, then, for the church is an interdependent and collaborative one in how we are meant to work and function together. It's a beautiful image. And we see it lived out here in Ebenezer in our mission and ministry in a variety of ways, in our AV and online uh, ministry team, production team. 
in our greeters and ushers and persons at the connections desk, our parking lot attendants, what we do for an online service. It's part of what we do in children and student ministries with small group leaders and teachers and volunteers and helpers who all work together to make that possible. It's what we see in a praise band, that there are persons who are playing guitars of three different kinds and keyboards and drums and persons singing, that all of that comes together, a differentiation of gifts to create music for worship this day. When do these differentiated roles as part of the body of Christ begin? Well, many would say it begins here, begins at our baptism. Reverend Dr. Raywin Whiteley writes that when we come to the waters of baptism, we come as solitary persons. But when we exit the waters of baptism, we are connected to God and connected to one another and aren't able anymore to function apart from it. That we are beings in together with Christ in this body, connected to one another by the Holy Spirit. So that every single person of every single age with every single gift matters as part of that body and belongs. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that body. This body that we call Ebenezer. I want to be connected to you and to God as we live out the gifts that we have been given to be this one body that makes a difference in the life of the world. I want to commit to using the gifts that God has given me to fulfill my role, my part, in the whole body of Jesus Christ that we call the church. And what is our mission? Here at Ebenezer is to transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect, heal, and bring hope to Stafford and to the world, no less. The image that Paul uses for the body of Christ It's not only about how we give of our God-given talents and abilities. It's also about our money, sharing what we have so we don't get too attached to what we accumulate. It was in that other passage that Debbie read for us today from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Jesus talks about money many times in the Gospels. And what he focuses on primarily is our relationship with it and the importance we give it in our lives. In the collection of teachings from which that excerpt in Matthew 6 comes, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus calls us again and again to question our hearts that they would be more and more genuine in the ways that we commit ourselves to God. Money's a strange thing. We can have healthy relationships with it or unhealthy. And most of us don't like to talk about it as a pastor. I don't like to either. Money comes with opportunities, frustrations, temptations, fears, struggles. It tests our needs versus wants. It can help us. It can hurt us. Money demands decisions. Some of those we get right and some of those, frankly, we don't. We may waste what we have, or we might manage a little or a lot of it very well. And sometimes we get judgmental about other people's money or the way they spend it without wanting to 
examine our own practices and without knowing other people's full stories. And we may think we never have enough of it. What's enough? I've known people consumed by money who had a lot of it. And I've known people consumed by money who had little or none. And sadly, I've watched money let us mess up our relationship with God sometimes. And sadly, sometimes we let it mess up our relationships with people that we love. Jesus invites us to honor God with our finances and gifts by storing our treasures in heaven, putting our weight in how God wants us to live. Jesus says our wallets will show us what we really treasure. And keeping God first is one way to help loosen our hold on those things that's the stuff. Someone taught me about that years ago, and I want to tell you that story. Well, several years ago, I served a church that had a monthly food pantry, and hundreds of people would come uh, one day a month, and we would give out many, many thousands of pounds of food. And I got to know the people who would come. I'd sit with them and hang out with them when they'd come to get the food, and I'd hear their stories and learn their names, and I enjoyed getting to know them. And I remember one afternoon when I was working in the church office, I heard a knock on the church office door. I went to answer it. And one of the men who would come to the food pantry uh, was standing there. And I was happy to see him. And he gave me an envelope. He said he stopped by because he'd had a change of heart. I said, what do you mean? He said he decided that it was time for him to stop focusing on himself and what he didn't have and start being thankful for what he did and sharing it with others. He said, and I quote, I have a roof over my head and food on my table, so if I have $20, some of that belongs to God. If I have $10, some of that belongs to God. And I'm going to give that back, so here is a gift for the church, for God. And that envelope had money in it that he wanted me to put in the church offering that next Sunday. I couldn't believe it. In order to come to the food bank, you had to live below the poverty level. And I knew this man's story, and here he was tithing. Months later, when I was working in the church office again one afternoon, I heard another knock on that church office door, so I went to answer it. And that same man was standing there, and this time he was smiling. Big, broad smile. He said, remember, Pastor Emily, when I came uh, by that day? And I said, yeah. He said, I was up to something. I thought that if I gave you that money, then God would give money to me. That's what I thought. That if I gave you that money for the church, then I would get that money back from somewhere else and I could pay my bills. But that hasn't happened. I gave that money to the church and I'm still broke. And I wasn't sure what to say. I wanted to tell him it didn't necessarily work that way. I wanted to tell him I knew we had funds that could be helpful, but nothing was coming out of my mouth. And 
he spoke next. And he said, and I quote, I'm happier. I asked him what he meant. He said, I'm still giving things away. I'm still broke. And I'm happier inside. I'm helping people any way I can, even if I have no money to give them. I've got a truck, and I've been giving people rides and helping them pick up stuff. I'm smiling because God is changing me. Maybe not my wallet, but changing me and changing my heart. He gave me another doggone envelope and walked away smiling. And I stood there thinking, I have a lot to learn from him. And I want to be like him when I grow up. What about you? When I went back to the parsonage that day after a long day of work, I looked around the house and I saw I've got more shoes, more clothes, more food than any one person needs. And I want to live more like that man. I want a heart like his. So how, God, I started praying, can I give this away? How can I live in such a way that I honor God with the stuff, with my part of the body of Christ and finances and time and talents? Am I tithing like my parents modeled for me when I was a kid? How can I give my life away? I want to grow up smiling like that man was and giving to others the way that he did in any way that he could. I pray, Lord, that I'm growing by grace in doing that. What changes can we make? I wonder. Many of you received as part of our commitment series a brochure about a number of different ways to volunteer and get involved in the life of the church we also have commitment cards we mailed out with them inviting us to consider how we want to give toward the mission and ministries of the church in the next year they're also available online through the digital bulletin and at our connections desk we've got some extra printed copies if you want one and I invite you to pray about it how is God inviting you to be that kneecap that big toe, that kidney in the body of Christ. And if there's something you feel called to do that's not in that brochure, write it in there and we'll figure it out together. Scott is calling you. We want to honor that. How is God inviting us to give of ourselves as part of the body of Christ this year and the next? Our leaders have noticed here in the church... Uh, gap in giving over the last six or seven years and that concerns us and we know that with COVID there are even more challenges at stake for all of us so how is God using us to bring us together to be there for one another and to grow in our mission and ministry here in Stafford and beyond this church is strong and gave away a ton of coats this week and I'm so excited that we were able to do that so what is ahead for us in ministry? I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where God will take us together as we are all in on this body of Christ in the one mission of serving Jesus. We asked people in our church what it's like for them to make those commitments. 
in being part of the body of Christ. And I want you to hear what they had to say. And I want to say thank you to Linda and David and Marianne for sharing their stories. You know, when we first came here, I was so excited. I wanted to get involved. I wanted to volunteer. And so did Stan. And we both prayed. We said, God, here we are. If this is where we're supposed to be, then you use us. And that was 20 years ago. And God is still using us. And it's been wonderful. The first area probably started small, maybe bringing, making a casserole for a funeral or something like that. And then after a while, meeting people and getting to know people, and people started reaching out, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And we just got involved in all kinds of wonderful things here. It's always, I was brought up that what you get out of something is equivalent to what you put into it. And if you're not happy with an experience, you just don't think it's much of an experience. Maybe you're not trying or putting enough into it of yourself. So that, based upon those, and from what I've seen in life, the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. My mom was a widow. My father was killed when I was what? One and a half. Fifteen months old. And it was very hard for her because she didn't have the resources to do what she wanted to do for me and for other things. But she said, we may not have financial resources, but we can help. And helping to her was teaching, what, Sunday school three-year-olds for more than 30 years. Um, and then when we developed a little bit of financial resources, and by we, I mean David and I, there was more that we were able to outreach and do. The church always has been significant, but there's the food bank, there's the uh, race for the cure, there's go for bow. There's so many ways that you can outreach and try to help people. And that's been important for us for a long time. Yeah. I thought my talent would be more administrative because, you know, I'd worked my whole life up in the city. but. Over time, I found that was not necessarily true. That wasn't, you know, although I like doing administrative stuff, I found that uh, probably um, hospitality was the top of the list. Uh, love to greet people, love to work at the connection desk, uh, just all kinds of things where I can interact with the people. We've been very spiritually blessed, enriched, however you want to phrase it, um, because of our outlook um, on giving. And I, I don't want to put it just monetarily, but if you have the time or the talents or the money, those are things we give. And if you give as much as you can and then some, you'll be rewarded, I believe. I think part of your Christian responsibility is to give, to give back, to give to the church. You know, we've been blessed with living on some acreage a little west of the church. And over the years, we've had so many events 
down there, church related. Uh, during the quarantine, uh, we were, once things loosened up last June and you could meet outside, we had <clears throat> small groups on our porch. We had the high school kids come in on Wednesday night with their leaders and meet in small groups out in the field. I mean, we had friends coming in and checking on us. And we've had weddings out there. We've had baptisms out there. I mean, and for us, it is a blessing to be able to offer that. The more you get into the commitment phase and the giving of yourself, uh, the more you get from your relationship with not only your God, your church, but, and everyone around you. You get more committed to it, more involved in it, and uh, it's very rewarding. Thank you, David and Marianne and Linda, for sharing your stories with us. How is God inviting each of us to be a part of the body of Christ? I want to share this poem as a way to wrap up our sermon today. It's from the 1500s from St. Teresa, and it's a beautiful way to wrap up the piece. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are the body. Christ has no body now on this earth, but yours. Amen.